0: And welcome back to Forth Estate, a show about journalism. We're coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. I'm Tina Quinn and as always, it's a pleasure to have your company. If you've ever seen a journalist in front of a TV camera on their own and wondered, where's the camera person? You've likely spotted a special class of media workers. They're known as multimedia journalists, also nicknamed a one-man band, a backpack journalist or a video journalist. They are TV reporters that work on their own. They produce, they film and occasionally edit TV packages. They are their own camera person. It's a popular role in the industry, but not one without criticism around issues such as worker safety and burnout. In the United States, two-thirds of TV newsrooms report that they mostly use multimedia journalists. And it's easy to see why they're in high demand. They're a cost-efficient measure for newsrooms, but they also have the ability to produce intimate and groundbreaking stories that might not be as easy for a less-than-subtle TV crew to approach. To discuss all this and more, we're joined by Johanna Marie. She's a video journalist at ABC News based in Bundaberg. Johanna has been a video journalist for around 10 years and previously worked for Sky News. Johanna Marie, a warm welcome to Fourth Estate. Thanks for having me. And Chris Campy also joins us. He's the current Chief of Staff and a Senior Journalist at 10 News First Sydney. Chris has been a cameraman and journalist for more than 20 years. He previously worked as a video journalist for 7 News. Chris, welcome to 4th Estate. It's
1: good to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Okay, let's start with a question for you both. Is the role of the multimedia journalist, you know, the one-person TV crew, impacting the quality of, of television news, do you think? Johanna, to you first?
2: Yeah well I think overall you know in, in over the past few years we have seen a decline in probably the quality of news but I don't think that's because of news organisations Turning to video journalists. I think it's more, you know, the fact that we rely a lot more on mobile phone footage, um, user generated content from social media, that sort of stuff. Because video journalists can actually film now in high definition, they can edit these amazing packages that get put on national and international programs. So I don't think video journalism has contributed to a decline in the quality of news.
0: Chris, you've been doing this for a couple of decades. What's your take on it?
1: Yeah, I think I, I had a significant advantage in that before VJs or video journalism was really a thing. Uh, when I started, I came from a camera background with uh, ten years uh, just on behind the lens. So for me, it was a, it was a very different journey. And I, I agree that I don't think we can pin any change in quality on the increase in the use of video journalists, I think perhaps more overall, there's an acceptance of more formats and different ways of acquiring events and news that that newsrooms across the world have become more accustomed to mm. accepting in terms of the phone vision and things like that. And, and that's often the quickest way that that material is, is gathered and distributed. So I think that acceptance to run a variety of different formats probably has more to do with you know a, a less polished looking product that is more acceptable these days and then video journalism is is a is a tricky one because it generally comes down to how any organization implements that role how the the training is a, is set up and how the equipment is provided and and what the expectations are of that journalist and in some cases you've got very talented people with high definition lightweight cameras accessing different different parts of the world to tell stories that are very high quality so it's it's a bit it's not one case fits all but i certainly wouldn't pin the the arrival of video journalism to a degradation in quality
0: you might even say that it's obviously added a further depth, or or given you access to stories, to tell stories that you might not previously have been able to. Do you think? I would, certainly... I would agree with
2: that because, yeah, me, my myself being based in regional Queensland, it does mean that you know we're here now. We now have a journalist that can operate a camera and go out and tell stories that where there there hasn't been a cameraman based here. To tell these stories for years and years and years, so it has it does mean we get that ru- wider um, diversity of stories.
0: Chris, you've worked as a one person TV crew before, and also as a, a camera person alongside a television presenter. Now, a lot of us would see a one person TV crew as someone doing the job of traditionally two people. Do you think that's fair to say? I think it
1: often is in action, uh, which is which is the trick I've found in, in my career is that when, when I jumped to start doing both sides of the camera, um, I already had the camera technology behind me, the editing capability. So it was a matter of integrating that into my storytelling. I think it's very different if you start at the point of having to learn all of those skills at once because sometimes those people have come from a background where they've done one or the other. Um, and now they're expected to to broaden their area of responsibility. So it it depends on how it's executed and how it's utilised. I think I agree with Johanna, the advantages are there. If you have the timeline to allow for it, if you have a bit of extra time to spend with a person, particularly in regional areas or overseas where your deadline isn't immediate, uh, you can get a much more intimate story in a lot of cases because you're much smaller profile you're not as intimidating as a full television crew is the flip side of that is when video journalists are in the cut and thrust of a metropolitan area or something like that you do find yourself often competing with a, a two-person crew and that that is when you are trying to do the jobs of multiple people on the same timeline that they are and that's when it gets a little bit tricky. And that often comes down to to management or, or execution of that person in that role and the selection of where perhaps a video journalist role might fit best.
0: Johanna, are newsrooms looking for, for TV journalists that can sort of do it all, do you think? You know, report, shoot and and edit. Are these skills, do you think they're essential for journalists that are entering the field?
2: Not just I guess it's not just television journalists. They're, they are looking for um, journalists that can do everything from writing online stories. It's really this multiple platform. So people coming from print, people coming from radio into TV, they they want you to be the jack of all trades. And um, I came from radio initially. That's where I started and made the jump to TV. It was, a, it was pretty different in that style, but, um, yeah, I can 100% see that now there's a lot of a lot of media organizations looking for that multi-platform reporter. Um, you know, even Channel Nine and all of those other bigger companies, they're now looking for people who can work across a whole lot of different
0: platforms. What do you enjoy about working on your own and, and creating television packages independently? I mean, it, it can be uh, like lonely at
2: times working on your own. But um yeah, I guess it is that one-on-one personal um contact that you can have with the people that you're interviewing. Um, as Chris mentioned before, when you're when you have a cameraman with you, it can be daunting for the people that you're interviewing. So you do have that more personal um relationship with the people that you're speaking to. Um, so it can be beneficial in in those aspects. And yeah, it's it's been nice to, like, for instance, earlier this year, I covered um, th- floods at Maribyr, um, a couple of floods earlier this year as a VJ on my own, um, getting into people's houses, you know, they're often happier to speak with you or more likely to speak with you when it is just yourself and your camera. So there has been times where yeah, I've I've got to know people at a closer level than maybe if I had a cameraman with me.
0: Chris, do you agree with Johanna's assessment about you know the fact that most uh, most newsrooms are now looking for that sort of jack of all trades journal that can write for online, that can file for radio, that can also put together a television package and present it, and edit and produce the whole thing themselves.
1: Absolutely, I think uh, especially the ABC. It- It's not a particularly uncommon practice because before it was an expectation that, you know, reporters could pick up their own cameras, there was already cross-media journalism. So you already, you know, if you work at the ABC, you already have a crossover between potentially doing television, radio, print, digital, um, all all of these different formats which people had to be across. Um, And then perhaps more broadly, I think the multiple skill set uh, it it's often a way. Uh, employers are still looking for capability because it fits a lot of areas, and often for an individual, it's a a way to find opportunity. Even with ten our foreign uh, correspondents at the moment are, are generally video journalists. Uh, we often, for bigger stories, might you know give them some support, but in general it's much easier to have a person based in a foreign country. The The model is a lot cheaper if that person can be on their own, they're accessible when you need to cross to them, they can effectively do that themselves. So that means that you've got, you know, people who are trying to find their steps in their careers. We're tapping into as many skills as they can to make themselves as attractive as possible. And I think, uh, it's certainly, it's a very common practice, especially in smaller operations where you don't have the resources, uh, you know, regional centres and, and Sky obviously have been using um, a video journalism model um, for quite some time as well.
0: And do you think Australian newsrooms are pivoting towards hiring more more multimedia journalists that can be sent out on their own to do it? To, to sort of do it all rather than sending out a pair or a team of media workers together? Do you think that's sort of the trend? That's the way it's going?
1: I, it's a hard one to say because I think it, it was about 2011 when I started reporting. I was I was still technically a cameraman and then I was, was doing stories and that was because I was finding myself overseas a lot. It was a opportunity that, that just emerged and I went for. My experience over a decade or so is there's been a lot of rollouts a lot of different models of how a video journalist fits and the catch is that it's not a scattergun solution you 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 can't necessarily just build a newsroom full of video journalists and expect to cover Mm -hmm. all of your bases it's every every requirement is different and every model is different so Mm -hmm. for an organization like sky they they require people on locations doing live crosses regularly. So they, mm-hmm. the terminology of using a video journalist there is to have someone with their own camera able to do that, but mm-hmm. not necessarily gathering a complete story because they would utilise a lot of agency footage. So it it fits with their model, um, and then at the ABC, with the, depending which area, whether it's news or uh, programs, it depends on the the task at the time as to to what the application is. But if you don't have that hard deadline, then it's often a good option for for longer format or accessible stories. But the day-to-day news within the commercial networks and the ABC as well means that you need a balance of all of those things because it's not always going to be the best solution. And it is often going to leave you at a disadvantage to try and get one person to do everything that is required now because it's a constant 24-7 environment and uh, trying to do all those things yourself is going to put you behind the pack.
0: Mm. Joanna, you've obviously spent many years with Sky and now at the ABC. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I would agree with Chris there. And there are also different... Scenarios or different situations where a video journalist works really well, but then there are other times you need to send out a crew. Um, you know, things like riots or marches and things like that. It's not really ideal for a video journalist to be doing because you're often surrounded by people, and you know, safety is compromised safety in issue. some situation. Yeah, safety issues. And so, um, you know, in those situations, you will always need a camera. Person, um, and a person and a reporter to send out in a crew um, but yeah, then uh, working at Sky, um, you know, you you had to go and and stand out and do rolling coverage, live crosses at different things like um, you know at Parliament House or you know covering courts and stuff like that. So there are different scenes and and settings that you would use those different varieties and and, and yeah, the the video journalist role and then a, a crew of a cameraman and a reporter.
0: You're listening to 4th Estate on the Community Radio Network. This week we're talking about the role of multimedia journalists, the one-person TV crew, with 10 News First's Chris Campy and ABC's Johanna Marie. Johanna, you recently got your licence to, to be a drone operator for, for the ABC. Are you seeing a rise in, in video journalists using mobile phones, drones and tablets and, instead of cameras? Uh, what impact do you think mobile journalism is really having on the industry?
2: Well, it's an interesting um point, actually, because the ABC is rolling out a, a trial at the moment of these it's called a Mojo kit or a mobile journalist kit, and it is just using a mobile phone that has you know apps installed that you can go live to TV and you can feedback. Footage to the studios in Brisbane or Melbourne and Sydney or whatever. Um, so it, it is something that the the industry is kind of moving towards. That you know, less cam actual cameras and just using mobile phone. As I mentioned before, it would also depend on the situation that you're in as well, because um, mobile phones we know can't won't have reception everywhere that you go. So there will be issues around that sort of stuff. Yeah, like, so they're, they're rolling out these kits and it gives people um, in smaller areas, regional centres and stuff, the capability to be able to file for news as a video journalist.
0: Chris, I want to circle back to when we were talking about that, that sort of trend, that trend with newsrooms of wanting a jack-of-all-trades – do you think newsrooms are providing adequate training and giving adequate support uh, to making sure that journalists you know, have that skill set or are able to develop that skill set?
1: I, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag and I think my experience has been that uh, a lot of newsrooms I've been in didn't entirely know how to deal with me because they couldn't always understand what the capability was or how best to use it and there's, I suppose, a... Uh, an older generation of more traditional managers uh, just see the the cost benefit. It's one person, two person role that's cheap and handy and easy. So often they'll that will they'll see that, but they'll miss the advantages of having someone who can do everything themselves and and hit the road and and take some time to gather some different content. But the camera stuff aside, I think the multi skilling is is really across the board now in newsrooms it's common practice for journalists to do a lot more editing now even if it's not all the way to the finished product uh, any journalist starting in a newsroom now is expected to know how to interface with a, uh, a non-linear edit system even if it's just to, to pick components of their stories or interview grabs and that is sort of happening organically I guess anyone the the degrees and things for journalism and communications now are a lot broader so by the time a younger person starts in a newsroom they're very accustomed to the digital software and and ways of using things people are clipping things up on their phones for Instagram at home so all those little practices are are sort of starting the training before it's official uh whether there's enough training is is a a real tricky one. I think when I was at the Seven Network, they for a little while there, there was a plan to switch a lot of the regional uh, bureaus and newsrooms across to a video journalism model. And I jumped in um, to, to help with a little bit of that. And it, it was probably, there was a bit of a lack of understanding of what that meant because it was, again, that misunderstanding of how the model had to fit. If you turn a regional newsroom, into just video journalists, you, you might miss the productivity concerns because in the regions often you'll have a shortage of staff so you'll use camera people and journalists in different ways. Often the, the journalists might be in the office while the cameraman's out shooting stories that they will ultimately write just to, to make it a workable operation. But mm-hmm. if, if everybody's trying to shoot and gather, start to finish their story, you actually have a big productivity gap trying to get them all to do that themselves. And on top of that, I think in general, my experience has been that video journalism training is often a bit lacking um, because it's very hard to find someone who actually does have the experience uh, and the skill set across both sides. So you'll often have a camera person training a journalist to use a camera um, or, or a little bit the other way. And there's often a mismatch there because if all you've done is look down a viewfinder for your whole career and you can you can teach those things to someone. But if you haven't done it at the same time, you're also thinking and processing your story, uh, then your side of teaching is going to be very technical and, and perhaps not the best training for someone who's got to do all of those things at once. So on the camera side, I'd argue there hasn't really been a lot of good training. Often I think it's a find your feet sort of a, yeah. a role for people in the field.
0: I'm guessing you'd have a really sort of heightened nose for picking up on that as someone who trained as a cameraman and was primarily a cameraman for so many years. What do you think are some of the challenges when it comes to creating your own television packages, especially when filming your own piece to camera or, or, or doing a live cross? Joanna?
2: <laughs> there are lots of challenges when you're trying to film your own piece to camera. Um one of them is making sure that you're in focus because you're often standing in front of the <laughs> <That> camera. <helps. laughs> and you can't see it from behind. Um so, you know, there is a lot. It takes a lot more time than if you had a cameraman and could do do that for you. You you're obviously having to set up your shot um, you know, work out where you're standing, work out whether you're in focus, you're dealing with wind, sun, lighting. It's, um, yeah, it can be a challenge. And, you know, there have been times where I've been trying to set myself up and people are trying to jump in the back of me and, you know, yell out and like <laughs> make noises and... Put you off? It's it is hard when you are a solo operator trying to set up your own piece to camera. But yeah, it's if you can do it well. Once you've learned how to do it, um, you know I I often get comments that oh, your piece to camera looks like great and everything because you know I've done it that many times that I I know how to get the best lighting. I know how where where I need to stand so the wind is not blowing my hair in my face. Like it it is a process, but you 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 do learn the trick to the trade.
1: I think uh, earlier tapping on one of the, the biggest challenges I agree with is that it can be a lonely road as a, a solo operator and you, you lose the advantage of banter or bounce back. You You don't have someone else with you to bounce your ideas around or decide how next you'll proceed with the story. It's all in your head. So whether it's a technical aspect, you could be dealing with your hair blowing around or the sun being in the wrong spot or the you might have some technical issues. You're also processing your your story and your information. And then a lot of the time you're in the car on your own. And yeah, you know, I, I found that 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 can be a significant disadvantage because there's no one to question you, no one to, to ask a question of. You're on your own all the way through. And I think mentally that, that takes a lot out of you. I think it's um, uh, obviously, the many hands make light work. If you, if you have to turn that light on yourself, it's going to be a lot heavier on your, your mental health throughout the day. But, um, yeah, if it's, it's something that I think time is an advantage. If you have to do everything, if you don't have time, uh, then everything's a bit of a scramble. And I've always said that under a tight deadline, you ultimately end up compromising somewhere on some side of the equation, whether it's the script's not as perfect as you like or your interview or piece of camera may not be as polished as you'd like because Mm -hmm. you've put more mental effort to one side or the other and that's left a a gap on the other side.
0: Johanna, do you think by creating your own television packages that you actually have, have you noticed a sense of more creative freedom to to break traditional moulds than, say, you had Um, before?
2: Yes and and no. There's obviously, um, you know, every network has a time limit on on how long your packages can be. But, um, you know, with the ABC, I guess there are lots of different programs that I'm able to pitch stories for. um, But... Yeah, I I guess yes and no, you you do have creativity in that, you know, I'm able to pitch stories that about farming, agriculture, um, you know, homelessness, all that sort of stuff. And I do get the, the I guess I get the autonomy on. How I'm going to interview these people where what what shots I'm going to film, um, and then how I write my package and structure that, so I, I would agree, yeah, yes, there is creativity, but it's also within its limitations on mm. yeah how long your story can be, where the story is going to go, um, whether it's only in the Queensland news or is it going to go national. Um, yeah th- those different parameters you've got to work within
0: a, a Twitter thread by 11 alive news reporter Savannah Levins in the United States has sparked a lot of attention recently she tweeted that many female video journos have shared experiences with within a Facebook group that she uh, that she looks after and the those shared experiences the common themes that keep coming up are of being overworked underpaid and underappreciated as an, uh, another big one that keeps uh, raising its head, and it's leading to a mass exodus of journalists to public relations or other industries. Do you think this is an issue that we're starting to see in Australia as well? Do you think it translates down under, Chris? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's it's a combination of things. I think uh, and and america has a, a variety of different models that they run with they they have a lot of different terminology camera people are Um uh, and and again a lot of their less than metro areas are are going to video journalism models i think it's a broader issue than workflow and i think but there, there's certainly enough evidence of late i know in brisbane for one certainly uh the seven and nine networks have had a Quite an exodus mm. of late. Channel Seven were doing stories last week on the number of people inside the state government's media department, uh, which was in the hundreds, and many of them were former Channel Seven employees that have mm. gone within the last twelve months. And I think what I've noticed is that when people move to a a comms or a PR job late in their career, you can it's easy to understand. You know, they've spent. 10 years on the road, in the cut and thrust, on a deadline, giving up their days off, cancelling their dinner plans in order to cover breaking news. They take a more a slightly higher-paying job with more comfortable hours and a more comfortable uh, balance for their work life. Uh, and you can understand that late in their career. I think the perhaps the worrying thing we're seeing at the moment is that a lot of the people that are, are departing are a lot younger and aren't necessarily taking the job's just for for a more comfortable environment although that's what they generally find because they do pay better than Mm. most of the networks do but it is a burnout and and we're seeing that in people in their mid-20s who who used to you know crawl over hot coals for a a job in a television station um, on the news these people are burning out earlier and I think that's a really uh, big concern that we've all got to consider and I I think it's worse now off the back of the pandemic because we all worked there was a lot of work from home modeling a lot of people had time to reflect and consider and have a bit of a taste of what it was like to have a bit more time at home and and a little less all work no play and I, I, I think I think we're seeing that mind shift a lot earlier um and you know I think probably combined with a number of cuts to the industry and less people, more demand in most markets. I think there is a bit of a a burnout rate.
0: Well, I was going to ask, do you think some of it has to do with tightening uh, news budgets, tightening media budgets that are meaning that, you know, singular journos are having to take on more and more and more with little appreciation or compensation for their work? Johanna? Well,
2: I was actually just about to say, um, I have also seen recently a lot of journalists my age leaving news and going into PR, comms, positions, and I'm in early 30s, and a lot of of these female journalists that I've seen leave are the ones that are starting families and probably uh, I would say looking for that work-life balance and there are especially if you're working in a metro newsroom you're spending long days long hours like 12 hour days on the road even longer sometimes um, you know spending nights or, or, or weeks away from your family covering stories so I feel like the work-life balance is a part of, the, of their decision to, to leave the industry But um, as Chris mentioned, too, it it is happening earlier, like these female journalists are in early 30s. They're not late in their careers moving to comms and PR roles. So it is an interesting thing that's happening at the moment.
0: Uh, Chris, how do we look at combating burnout? Do you think it's an issue for a one-person TV crew?
1: I think so. I think, you know, it's... It's certainly something we we've got to consider broadly across the industry and and I think uh, media has always always had a little bit of a a legacy issue where a lot of the people who were in charge of big media organizations um, were from a bit of a different environment. Uh, sometimes it can be hard for a uh, a senior manager in their, their 50s or 60s to understand, the environment we're currently in, um, their experience of being out on the road as a journalist was back when satellite trucks were thrown around and gold Amex cards ruled the world and there were field producers. The time, you you fought all day for the bulletin at the end of the day, whereas now and, you know, especially with ABC reporters have, uh, also added to the, the 24-hour news cycle, um, and the feeding of multiple bulletins. You know, at, at 10, we're on first thing in the morning. We're on for 90 minutes in the evening. So the, the stretch is across everywhere. And I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily related to the isolation or the solo roles, but that, whether it's a dictated video journalism role or not, the spread is across everywhere. So there are a lot of cameramen or camera people who are out on their own picking up interviews purely logistically because we've taken a lot of cuts in recent years but we're still producing a lot of news so logistically you've got a lot of people out there gathering frantically on their own you've got you know phone interviews picked up with a camera at the scene or over zoom it's it's a constantly moving environment and i think A lot of the people who've been in charge for a lot of years have never had to be in it. They haven't had to have the multiple bulletin day, Mm. the digital technology that means you jump out of the car and you're live and you can do that on your own these days with a camera and a live unit. And so there perhaps hasn't been an appreciation of that take up. Certainly um, a lot of EBA negotiations through the years haven't always factored in. Um, a, a change of technology or a broadening of broadening of skills that's that's taken place at a rapid rate. Obviously, technology moves at the speed of light, so the uptake in our industry has been very very quick, and it has meant that people are doing more things all at once. And those days are long. And I think, like any other business, you've got to look at the hours people are pulling, whether and because they're going to look at it themselves and decide whether it's worth it, whether what they get as reward is worth the time the commitment and uh, the
0: the risk of a burnout. Johanna, how do you combat burnout? Well,
2: I was just I was just thinking about that actually um you know from going from covering news in a metro like working in Brisbane where it was always fast paced from like 4 30 in the morning you were up doing live crosses on tv then covering the story throughout the day and then packaging it for the news at night time um they were huge massive days and I and then when I took this job in regional Queensland for ABC there was a real shift in like how much was required um uh, it was so it was an interesting feeling at the time. It's almost like you don't realize, but you do get addicted to adrenaline when you're covering these big massive stories in capital cities. And then yeah, moving to regional Queensland, I have found now I have a lot more work-life balance, you know. I finish on time and I go home and I'm with my family. Um, it is you are able to continue working in news and in journalism without also being burnt out daily um it is you you just maybe have to work in and live in regional areas (laughs) that's all all I sort of uh, you know the benefit of living regionally that's what I've found is that I'm not burnt out and I get to do what I love and I get to tell stories of people and and of regional areas and I'm and I feel good I've got lots of energy and I think I could probably do it forever
0: Fantastic to hear! All right, well, I have one last question for you both. Is the role of a solo video journalist sustainable? Do you think, Chris? To you first.
1: I think it's sustainable. I think it just has to be utilised and understood. Uh, it's certainly got tremendous advantages. Um, I think it it has a place. It always will. I think it should be seen as a a positive option. But it, I think it, it just depends on the approach. If it's seen as simply a more for less approach, it's always doomed to fail, I think, because there's always going to be reluctance. But um, it's it's still a space where you know, as we've been chatting about, especially in regional areas, in other areas, if you believe in stories, the the idea that it's one or the other these days. Um, is fading you know if you if you film pictures for a living you are in a sense a journalist because you have to capture and convey a story the same way that a, a reporter traditionally has to do that in words and and if you are accustomed to writing words you can transition that to painting with pictures which is the entire nature of the job so I think it's a very interactive space and you can utilize it very very well you can get a lot of intimate storytelling you can get a lot further. You, you can have a lot more flexibility than the traditional model, but you have to be conscious of of how it's used. And I think it is sustainable. It just has to fit as part of the bigger picture because it's not a uh,
2: a one solution fits all. Johanna, yeah, I would agree with Chris, and I think that you know we're we're seeing. As I mentioned earlier, the ABC is trialling a lot of these mobile mobile journalism kits throughout the organisation. It's a it's a developing space still um, for video journalists, and and there's quite a lot of options now. You know, we're we're seeing digital streaming news services and all of that. That's all just really starting to expand now. There's lots of opportunities that are starting to emerge in this space. So yeah. it's something I think that is here to stay and and uh, yeah
0: it's a, it's a sustainable form of telling stories. Well, on that note, I'd like to thank both of my guests today on Fourth Estate, Chris Campy and Johanna Marie. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening to the program. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER and heard across the country on the community radio network. Fourth Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. A big thanks to the foundation for their continuing support. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media, politics and a lot in between. We'll be back with more next week, of course, but in the meantime... You can stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is 4th Estate AU. A big thanks to my producer, Marlene Even, and executive producer, Anthony Dockrell. I'm Tina Quinn. Please stay well, stay safe, and you can catch us next week on 4th Estate.